Hi. Welcome to Coffee and Chatter. Except I don't have coffee today. I have water. So in an earlier, uh, in a shorty that I put out yesterday, uh, a quick and dirty primer to the Second Amendment, I touched, uh, mentioned the fact that I was going to come back to this issue and large on it and uh, talk about the Bill of Rights. So that's what I'm going to do today. We're going to talk about the Bill of Rights. As a prelude to this discussion of natural God-given rights and the part that the government is assigned by the Constitution in such, I need to start by looking at the Ninth and Tenth Amendments. So let's do that now. The Ninth Amendment reads, The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. And to balance things out, we'll also look at the Tenth Amendment. The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states, respectively or to the people. Okay, so there we have the Ninth and Tenth Amendments. And my view of these two amendments is they, they kind of act as the anchor and the seal on the Bill of Rights. Uh, the Ninth being the anchor that kind of keeps it in place. And then uh, the Tenth Amendment stamps the seal on it, basically puts the federal government in its place. <clears throat> so, where did the Bill of Rights come from? Why do we have it? The Articles of Confederation were our first constitution. Uh, they proved unworkable. The federal government, and, and this really um, reveals the mindset of the founders, and that was that the, the, the Articles of Confederation gave so little power to the federal government that it, it couldn't do anything. It was like, you know, nothing, it, it, it didn't have any power. So uh, eventually, you know, it became, all right, we understand we're going to have to do something about it. So the call to a constitutional convention was to amend the Articles of Confederation, not scrap them. But, and here's the thing about a, a, a convention of states, you don't necessarily know what's going to happen. Although it was called to amend the Articles, I guess some of the conventioneers arrived and they had some different ideas. They knew more power was needed, but how much? And there was the hook. So you had the Federalists, on the one hand, who were intent on more power for the federal government. And then you had the Anti-Federalists, who wanted to give as little power as possible to the federal government. That's where I placed myself. So... Um, and then, when all was said and done with regard to the Constitution, 
the anti-federalists were somewhat concerned, and they pretty much were refusing to sign on unless some promises were made to come back at a later date. I mean, they were worn out at this point. They, they weren't going to do it then. But uh, they made, they required a promise to reconvene and come up with some more verbiage, which ultimately would have been amendments to, because the Constitution ultimately um, was ratified. And then they came back and wrote the Bill of Rights, first 10 amendments, and then they had to be ratified. But um, what the anti-federalists wanted was some actual language to make some of their points. Now, admittedly, you know, I can't argue with the, the federalists who thought, hey, um, the Constitution is pretty clear as to the limitations on the federal government. But the problem is the anti-federalists were like, yeah, but someday, right? And it's a good thing. Because here we are, we wrote it down, we still it's still being ignored. In other words, their concern was that people would, uh, the day would come when uh, those things would be forgotten and federal government would grow and grow and grow and tyrannize the people. So they demanded that um, there be more verbiage. Now, the, the Bill of Rights doesn't grant, it, grant rights. It just defines them and essentially mandates that the government keep its hands off other than to protect those rights. Uh, so the... What they did was, of course, they listed some of the more basic, important rights. Freedom of speech, uh, freedom of religion, freedom of the press, freedom to associate with whomever you wanted, right to keep and bear arms, to be free from government interference in one's own home. And to have due process. So, um, but, you know, if they, if they tried to list all the rights, they, they'd still be writing today, right? So they, they basically came up with the Ninth Amendment, which basically, as we saw, said, uh, you know, just because something's not listed doesn't mean it doesn't exist. That, that's, that's not the idea. Um, these things belong to the people, not the government. And then finally, uh, after that, when all was said and done, the Tenth Amendment basically said anything that's not given, design, designated to the federal government, unless the Constitution outlaws a state from controlling it, it's in the control of the states, the individual states, not the federal government. Boy, have we come a long way from that. And I do want to point out that our leaders back then had a lot more integrity than those we have today. As evidenced by the fact that, that, that they made a promise. They passed the Constitution. I mean, they, they, they ratified it. 
But they still came back as they had promised. Today, it seems like, and the Republicans are always the ones on the short end of the stick here. You know, they're, oh, there's this push. We got to get this spending bill through. The government's going to shut down. We need to get the money appropriated. Okay, we'll come back to that. We'll cut that tax after, but we got to pass this right now. So the Republicans go along, and then the Democrats never, you know, never honor the promise to deal with the problems that the Republicans had with the bill. And, I mean, basically, I, I, I'd i be fine with them just shutting it all down. They can't get, if they can't agree, shut it down. You'd think they'd figure that out, but I, I don't know when they're going to learn. So, they came up with the Ninth and Tenth Amendments to round out the Bill of Rights, and I, I believe that they might be, you know, kind of the bedrock of, of the Constitution, but, but it's totally ignored. They're totally ignored. Why do we make laws today? Do we, do our legislators, you think they, you know, run it through the, uh, the Constitution machine? Let, let's put this in and see what comes out the other end. No. Does it feel good? Does it seem good? Is it reasonable? Is it going to, can we get it by the people? Okay, let's do it then. And it gets worse and worse. We have so many laws now that have no anchor point in the Constitution at all. Because the Constitution was about limiting federal power, not giving federal power. So what happened... Let's talk about the overreach. Look what happened during the pandemic with regard to personal liberty. Could you practice the religion you wanted to? Could you go to church? They're not rights that are established by government. They're natural, God-given rights. The government is instructed to protect, not restrict. The Declaration of Independence declares, for this reason, government was established to protect those rights. And, and they said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, not by their government, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You think you're pursuing happiness when you're not even allowed to go to work? When your business has been destroyed? I mean, Governor Murphy, he told us uh, the, the Bill of Rights is above my pay grade. At least he told the truth about his unconstitutional overreach. But, you know, they're, 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 not, they're running things by executive order. An executive order with regard to a crisis in a state, they have a limit. I think it's 30 days. That's why you can't just say, okay, nobody can go to work until I say so. No, I can't do that. Nobody can go to work for the next 30 days. Then on about day 27, oh, we're going to extend this for another 30 days. That's, that's what Murphy has done. Now, you're not supposed to string them along for a whole year, but he's done that as well. 
you know, first it was 15 days, 30 days. Now it's been over a year. What's going on? They still want you to wear masks. Now they're talking about passports for vaccines. It's something weird. So the Second Amendment, which is really, to me, that's, that's the teeth in the Bill of Rights. Otherwise, it'd be all bark, no bite. You pull the string of the Second Amendment too hard, and the whole bill unravels. Because if you don't have that, if, if the, the right to keep and bear arms is not honored and protected, how do you protect your other rights from government? When the government comes knocking, what's your what's your protection? Does the government fear the people? It should. It shouldn't be the other way around. Infringement. That's that seems like the word of the day. That's all that happens. Instead of protecting the rights, it's infringement. The American colonists and the founders and the English long before them understood the idea of natural God-given rights. That didn't stop the king and his parliament from uh, encroaching upon the liberty of the colonists. So what happens when those tasked with protecting those rights begin to encroach? You got to fight. They, they were exercising authority that was never given to them. So it becomes incumbent upon the aggrieved to fight for one's rights or give them up. That's our choice. If they want to take our firearms, we either give them up or figure out another solution, how we're going to fight it. I'm not saying it has to be violent, but I mean, we know what happened in 1776. Usually when you tell government no, it's, they don't like it. So, where are we today? We have the Democrats with both Senate and House majorities and their champion in the White House, Mr. Joe the Gun Grabber. They've been promising to take away legal firearms for a long time with a, I mean... A myriad of excuses of why. But I mean, in, in the end, it's like the camel that, you know, tries to put its nose under the, the circus tent. Before you know it, the camel's inside. You know, they, they talk AR-15, but that's not the end of it. The, the AR-15 is, is just a, it's a semi-automatic rifle. It's not a weapon of war. You wouldn't want to go to war with an AR-15. Believe me, take my word for it. It's a fun gun. I, I coated a range with it. That's what I like to shoot at the range. And they're not being used on the streets. They're using handguns. So you know what they want eventually is to get all the guns. The amendments do not establish any right of privacy. And look, let me relay a little story here. I believe there's there's a, 
a case pending before the Supreme Court. I believe it's based on uh, this, what I'm going to relay to you. This guy had an argument with his wife, goes in the bedroom, gets his handgun, brings it out. No, he didn't shoot her. No, he basically said, here, shoot me with it. <laughs> of course, the gun wasn't even loaded. So she eventually, at some point, called the cops. He was taken in for an evaluation, mental evaluation. Nothing was found. He, he, he wasn't evaluated. as He was not determined to be a threat to anyone or himself. But what happened, the police went into his home and searched and found his guns without a warrant. So, is that kosher? Well, the Fourth Amendment says the right of the people. Again, it's not establishing a right. It's referring to a right. It's talking to the government. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. And no warrant shall issue, but upon probable cause. So even to get a search warrant, you need probable cause. You, you, you have to show that there's some reason. You can't just, oh, we want to search this guy's home for his guns. No, you kind of have probable cause, and there was none. No warrant shall issue but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. It's got to be defined. But Joe Biden, apparently, this case that's before the Supreme Court, he's encouraging the justices to rule to allow law enforcement to enter private homes and confiscate private property in the form of legal firearms without a warrant. What happened to the Constitution? Do we even have it still? Do our elected officials even care or know about the Constitution anymore? Look, I get it. They say they do. The Democrats are always talking about the Constitution. I just heard couple minutes ago, I, I guess I was watching Tucker, I, Nancy Pelosi talking about this HR1 bill that's 300 pages or something and talking about how it's the Constitution. What the heck is she talking about? Okay, so they, they talk about the Constitution, but they don't honor it. They don't even make a, a pretense of following it. The only reason they don't come out openly and say it, I think, is because they don't think people are ready to hear it yet. So, on the one hand, you have people that are, so many of us are ignorant of the Constitution. We, you know, they say, oh, we're following the Constitution. We just nod our heads. Yeah, <laughs> people don't know. If they came out and said it, then there would be a problem because then people would say, wait a minute, you're not following the Constitution. What are you doing? But as it is, they don't say it, they just do it. And people don't know any better. Sad, sad, sad state of affairs. Frankly, I don't think there is any effort on the part of the Democrats who currently control the entire federal government 
to abide by any of the mandates of the Constitution. They will pass legislation, which is unconstitutional, to, you know, take your guns, limit your free speech. The Republic in 2021 is dead on arrival, I'm sad to say. Thanks for listening.